in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to ridingdancedown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? And welcome to episode 598, yeah, of the Ron and Don Show. That's unbelievable. Almost 600 episodes. And yes, once again, we are broadcasting live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, let's talk about this. Uh, schools right now all over the country are running short on teachers, and maybe all of us should do what former quarterback Peyton Manning is doing. Yeah, he's leading the way on this. Also, the blindside story. We all love that story. It's football season. I don't know if you're watching Hard Knocks. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But The Blind Side was an incredible movie that we all thought was a true story. Sandra Bullock won... Various. Uh, she won an Oscar for it, I think, right? Anyway, some people this morning saying she needs to return the Oscar because the story's not true. Uh, we'll talk about that. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. I think last time we were recording, uh, a fire in Maui had just broken out. And as we sit here on this Thursday, Ron, uh, let's, let, let, let's bring everybody up to speed kind of where we are on this Thursday is now they've found, uh, it seems like over a hundred humans, 110 humans, as I saw last night. And the fear here now is that they could find hundreds more and they believe what they will find are people unaccounted for. What's that? I think the, the number I saw is 1300 people still unaccounted for. Yeah, which which is not unusual in times like this, but 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 the concern is that a lot of people left behind were children, uh, because on Tuesday kids were supposed to go to school, and because of the fire they didn't go to school. But typically, what happens there if you've never lived on the island before or spent any time there, uh, if you're a blue collar worker in a resort industry, you're not working one job. You're typically working two or three different jobs. So the feeling might be this, that a lot of moms and dads were gone working. A lot of kids were left behind. And now they're literally trying to go door to door, but there's no door to go door to door to, right? Yeah, this story is incredibly sad as we, again, we don't know all the details yet. Some, uh, there's the main theory now is that there was an electrical failure with the electric company that sparked and a spark went out, set things on fire. Uh, there, that company, the Hawaii Electric Company's stock, uh, plummeted like 99%. It's incredible the, the amount of, of people that are shorting that stock. And so that's going to decimate the island even further because they're going to have no funds to rebuild their electrical grid. But that's a different story for a different day. Um, but so people are trying to now find these the, the people that are lost still unaccounted for there's a lot of anger building up on people want to blame someone and blame something and then the other thing and it was an article that you sent me that i found very fascinating is in in one sense it's sort of like is this too soon or not too soon because people are trying to cast blame already uh this was sort of a, a fire historian and he's like we solved this for big cities there is big fires in, in populated areas used to be really common. And if you think back in American history, it's not too long ago where 
people would heat their home and light their home with fire uh, and would build their own house. There was no building codes or anything. So like you'd build a farmhouse, you would have a, a lantern uh, to light your stuff because electricity wasn't uh, in every single home. And so cities burned down. There's the great Chicago fire. I think Seattle had uh, a fire back in the day. San Francisco had a huge fire. And so a fire industry evolved around that, the concept of a volunteer fire department. And should fire protection be just a basic human right in America if you live in a metropolitan area? And the citizens of the United States said, yes, we will pay. We will voluntarily pay a tax, even though we left England because we didn't want to pay taxes. We'll pay a tax for someone to be on the alert, on the ready. Uh, if my house catches on fire, or this neighborhood catches on fire to come out and fight this fire. We're, we're willing to pay for that. So we built out this fire infrastructure in America and solved this issue. We said we're going to create laws around building and around fire suppression so that in a populated area, we don't have mass casualties for fire. And for a hundred years, that's been the case. I know we had the, the Pang fire down here in Seattle, but it was contained. Like there was loss of life there, but it didn't burn down all of Pioneer Square like it would have a hundred years ago. And so we have, in a sense, created a system that's pretty good and pretty reliable, provided that you maintain it, provided that you have the funding and infrastructure and maintenance required to do that. You have enough firefighters, you have enough engines, you have enough hydrants, you have the right gear. Um, if, if, you, if you follow the rule book that's been invented and evolved over the last hundred years, this type of thing does not happen in New York City, in Chicago, in Seattle, uh, in any big city in America. Sprinklers come on, fire hydrants are nearby, engines come out. I have a memory of you and I, when you lived in Los Angeles, going, there was a big fire, and we, we drove by there because we were both intrigued with what was going on. There had to be 50 to 60 engines and ladders respond to that. So there, there's a structure for this. And so I get the outrage of Hawaiians going, what happened? What we have fire a uh, fire department. We live on an island. How, how, there's well, water was, all around us. Well, I'll say this: they don't have a very big fire department. Uh, there are only sixty-five firefighters on duty. If they scrape together all their first responders that are considered firefighters, they have about a hundred firefighters. Uh, they only have thirteen trucks. And so, what people need to understand is what happened on Maui. When you when you drive around Maui, and I I spent a lot of time riding a bike all over Maui, uh, including through Lahaina uh, on the West Maui Loop, it's called. So I've been through that town a number of times. And I think sometimes what we don't understand is twenty five percent of that island, the island of Maui, used to be covered with sugarcane. And basically what, and in fact, when you ride your bike around or in a car, you'll see all these old sugarcane factories. And so there was a lot of ranching there. There's lots of farming. And of course we know that they farm pineapple as well. So when they stopped farming pineapple and they stopped farming sugarcane, those fields all went follow. And as a result of that, there is some real, uh, there, there, those old ranches uh, aren't taken care of anymore. And it, and it used to be if you were uh, uh, planting and harvesting sugarcane, you had to have your own fire department because there were fires from time to time. So having these fires is not unusual. 
but it was expected that you would have your fire department. And then when the Maui fire department and the volunteers showed up, you would just kind of work together to put those fires out. So 25% of the island now has just turned back into Tinder. Uh, yeah. T- t- Tinder and, 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 and what we saw happen in Kula, I mean, this is where the fire started. Uh, it had to go up and over a small mountain range and then, and, and then down toward the ocean. And I think it, 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 it's, it's crazy to wake up this morning and there's hurricanes on the West Coast that are not only affecting Hawaii, but this morning they're affecting California and states in the Southwest. You and I grew up in the Southwest, and I, I do ever remember us worrying about a hurricane affecting the weather in the Southwest. So on top of that, in the Atlantic, it's very uh, aggressive, and, and uh, we're seeing a lot of storms there as well. And then as I talk to my friends in the different cities that we've lived in, and I just had some friends that were here from New Orleans, they said uh, they, they are, they're used to the heat down there, and they were so glad to come to the Pacific Northwest, even though I think it's 90 today and some of us are complaining about it, but then it's going to cool off this weekend. I think it goes back to 76. Uh, all of our friends and people that we stay in touch with from the place, the times we lived in Phoenix and Dallas and New Orleans and California and to the South, th- those places are literally on fire right now. And then, and then think about this, Canada, they, they, they have burned 33 million acres. Uh, this year in Canada, they have had more fire in Canada uh, just this year than they've had in the last 40 years. And it continues. Uh, and we got a little respite this year because a lot of that uh, fire smoke, which showed up a lot over the last couple of years here in the Pacific Northwest because the jet stream, a lot of that is actually showing up on the East Coast and on the Midwest and, and in the Midwest. But you see pictures some of the pictures, especially earlier this summer, of what we saw happen in New York City, uh, that was happening right here in in Seattle as well. So if you've if you've never been to Lahaina, if you haven't been to Hawaii, I would have to say, uh, chances are, if you've been to the French Quarter, it would be like the French Quarter burning down down in New Orleans. And the hard thing is, even after Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans, they were still very dependent on people coming. And Maui is the same way. Four out of every five dollars. Uh, that Maui receives is a tourist dollars from a tourist showing up. And so what you're going to see is there, there'll, there'll be an encouragement right now. There's not, but there'll be an encouragement by the Hawaiian government at some point to come to Maui and spend your money. And at the same time, Ron, I think the, the interesting thing here will be a lot of these homes, just like we saw in the French quarter and just like we saw in the lower ninth ward, a lot of these homes were blue collar homes. They were stick built. They were handed down generationally. A lot of them didn't have insurance because they didn't have mortgages on them. And so for people that don't have mortgages and sometimes when you're working three jobs, yeah, you can't, you can't afford the insurance. Uh, and as a result of that, I just want people to know, I think there's two funds that are interesting here. Uh, if you want to help one is the Hawaiian community fund. Uh, that is a fund specifically for Maui and for Hawaii and every dollar that you give to this fund, they guarantee, uh, that it will be spent in Maui and for victims of this fire. A lot of times when you give to the Red Cross and there's nothing wrong with this, you're actually giving for the next disaster. So when you see something on TV, 
Uh, they have to already be positioned and ready to go and have those supplies. And so if you're giving money for Hurricane A, a lot of times the money that you give is helping out Hurricane B and C. Can, can you speak to this real quick? Because I, I feel a sentiment of people reluctant to give because the perception is these are a bunch of rich people that live on a tropical paradise. No, I just explained it. Money. I just explained it. They're, they're blue collar people that work three jobs. They work in all the resorts and all the hotels. This is a blue collar community. And maybe you don't see that sometimes if, if you spend parts and spend time in other parts of Hawaii, but this is this is this is Tacoma. This is this is Federal Way. This is Everett. These are the, these are the great blue collar people. This is this is this is the backbone of the resort industry uh, in Hawaii. So anytime you think of rich people like Fleetwood Mac, Fleetwood Mac, even though that that he has a bar there, McFleetwood does, and it burned down. He he doesn't live there, right? He lives in a huge mansion. Oprah doesn't live there, even though she showed up. Uh, and she, she owns 2,000 acres on the island of Maui, by the way. Uh, she owns more land uh, than a lot of governments over there. A lot of, uh, so, so it'll be interesting to see what she does as she, as she showed up the other day with a news crew and wanted to cover some of the stories. There's a lot of backlash toward her, and people were upset with her. Because they said, "Wow, uh, you're 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 taking advantage of people uh, just to tell a story." And I look at it differently. Uh, when you turn on the news right now, everybody's talking about politics and indictments. This story is going away in the next two weeks. It will completely go away. It'll be out of the news cycle, and then people in Hawaii and the governor there will be wishing, wishing that the president came then. People get in such a rush for the president to come. The president doesn't need to go there now. He needs to go down there a year from now, uh, six months from now, even a month from now, just to keep eyes on it. The other fun that I want to tell you about has been started uh, by someone that I follow online. I listen to his podcast. His name is Brandon Turner. He's from Maui. And the one thing that Brandon does is he is involved in real estate. He's actually from, from Seattle. He's involved in buying and selling lots of real estate. They have started a fund. So if you want to look into it, you can look online and just follow him on Instagram. They, they are putting a fund together to make sure that the people that live there, especially the blue collar people that don't have the money and they don't have the insurance money, that they're going to be able to hang on to their land and they're going to be able to rebuild. Uh, so I, I would suggest if you're interested in something like that to follow Brandon Turner on Instagram, they put together this fund because Ron, it seems like, and you sent me a story, uh, that people are already calling, uh, and trying to buy a plan uh, from people that are in peril right now, uh, that have lost loved ones, they lost their homes, they lost their businesses, they lost their cars, lost their livelihood. They lost people they loved and cared about. Probably lost a lot of kids here. And now you have, I think I think the story that you said. Yeah, there's is, real estate vultures that come in and want to offer you 50 cents on the dollar because they know people need resources right now. Yeah. And they're in a state of trauma. And they're like, hey, your oceanfront property, let me just give you a, a million dollars for it right now. And it's worth $4 million. Yeah. And the people, if you're in shock and you have nothing, you might go, oh, well, I could use that money. Yeah. Uh, and so there are people swooping in right now that want to, 
you know, buy lots, buy uh, whole blocks so they could build a resort. Yeah. Uh, and they are trying to scoop up this land in the face of tragedy. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Bezos has set aside $100 million. Oprah said that she's going to do something. But a lot of times it's not the Bezos and the Oprahs. It's us, you know, giving our latte money. So I added up uh, what my lattes cost for the rest of the year. And I'm just going to drink some Sanka or Folgers like my parents did back in the day when we go camping. And, uh, and, and I, I, I wrote a check, sent some money. And, and for me, I gave it to the Hawaii, uh, Hawaii Community Fund. And that's the one that the governor endorses. That's also the one that President Obama, who, yes, he really is from Hawaii, he endorses that as well. And again, if you want to follow Brandon Turner, if you're concerned about people there being able to hang on to their land and rebuild, again, many of them don't have insurance. They didn't have mortgages on those places. Those homes are handed down generationally. And a beautiful thing that you'll feel when you go to Hawaii, and, and we all should go when it's time to go and, and spend our dollars and our time there. And if you have a, a gift of picking up a hammer and helping, we should all do that. But in Hawaii, they call it your ohana, that you're part of a family. And they wish you much aloha. And they often will greet you uh, on the island and say mahalo. You, you, you feel very loved and cared about. It is, it is very magical and wonderful. And so for a lot of us that have gone there and, and, and taken those Hawaiian vibes home with us, cause they can be so healing in time, it'll be time to go back. But right now we just need to give our cold, hard cash, cold, hard cash to the Hawaii Community Fund, and also look up Brandon Turner online on Instagram if you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Let's all stay Maui strong, and we will see you on the other side. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Ron and Don here for Les Schwab, and guess what? It's the summer driving season, so that probably means that you want to take your boat somewhere. Yeah, or maybe you want to take your travel trailer, your Jayco, the little pop-up, whatever it is. A lot of times when they're driving, we think of things on four wheels, but not the other thing on two, four, eight wheels. And that could be your travel trailer or your boat trailer or your ATV trailer. Guess what? Les Rob has you covered this summer. Yeah, right, we Ron? told you about the free pre-trip safety check. Take your boat trailer in there. There's nothing worse than getting a flat or problem with, with the boat on the back. We had a boat fly off a trailer when I was a kid. It was a disaster. So go to Les Schwab right now. Set that up. You can schedule your appointment in advance at leschwab.com or stop by any location. That's Les Schwab, where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don. Now, listen to me. I had a neighbor walk up the street and say to me the other day, hey, we're interested in having you sell our home, but it seems like this is a bad time to sell a home, and we need the money from our home to leave Queen Anne, Washington, and we're going to Mexico, and we're taking our dog that we found in Mexico, Poncho, we're taking him back home, and that's where we're going to live from now on. What's crazy is... The gentleman that owns that house used to own the house that I'm sitting in. They sold me this house, right? Anyway, I had some good news for them, and I had to tell them, hey, is the summer much? You want to sell in the fall? The market is actually very good right now for sellers, but your home must be dialed in, and Ron, you must do your work in this marketplace right now. And if you do, sellers, you will be rewarded, right? Yeah, and it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. No obligation. It's free of charge. It's on Zoom. It's about half an hour. Email me directly, ron at ronandon.com or go to the website, ronandonsitdown.com.
All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. There's a story out right now about a gentleman by the name of Michael Orr. If you don't know who Michael is, uh, he played in the NFL for the Baltimore Ravens uh, for eight years, and he grew up in the South. Uh, he went, I believe, to, was it, it was either Mississippi or Mississippi State. I think it was, uh, no, it was Old Miss. He went to Old Miss. And when he was younger, he came from a very big family. Uh, he happens to be African-American. He was also a football prodigy, and... He is the subject of a movie that Sandra Bullock starred in called The Blind Side. The reason they call it The Blind Side, if you don't know what The Blind Side is, uh, think about a quarterback. In fact, I've been watching uh, Aaron Rodgers, who's been fantastic, by the way, for the New York Jets. And it's unbelievable how he can drop back and get the ball out so quick. And he throws with his right hand. So think about this. When you turn to throw, what do you expose? You expose your back your blind side. So it's typically the tackle. You ever hear of a guy named Big Walter Jones? Why do people love that uh, lineman so much here in Seattle? Why is he in the Hall of Fame? Because for every quarterback that played, and just ask Matt Hasselbeck, uh, finding that left side tackle on your blind side, it's very hard to find because you know what they do? They take some of the best pass rushers, and it started with Lawrence Taylor. They line him up on the blind side, and when the ball is snapped, they rush, and boom, the quarterback goes down, and he must go down hard. So NFL teams have gone out, and as they've watched the uh, teams go out and buy more Lawrence Taylors, right, to rush from the blind side, then then they had to go out and spend lots of money on a tackle. Sometimes the tackle, the left side blind side tackle, gets paid as much as the quarterback does, depending on the team. And think about this. If you're left-handed, then the blind side tackles on the right side. That switches. Anyway, Michael Orr had a gift. He was a blindside tackle. He got paid very good money for it, but he came from an unstable home. As a result of that, he started staying with a family, a white family called the Tuies. And he said when he was younger that he thought this family adopted him. He is now saying, and he's been on the NFL for a number of years, uh, that he never profited from the movie, that the Tuies owe him at least $15 million. He is suing them and also starring in a Netflix show coming up called Blindsided. Uh, the Tuies say they will love him now at the age of 37 as much as they loved him when he was 16. What they won't admit to, though, he's like, hey, when you handed me those papers and those papers said... When he was 15, by the way. Yeah, you, you handed me these papers and, and you said you were adopting me. You weren't adopting me. What you were doing is you were controlling me, and he signed something that was very similar to what Britney Spears signed, right? Yeah, conservatorship. And so um, there's a lot to unpack in this story, and that was a great setup for that. And so his claim is this, that the author Michael Lewis, who wrote Moneyball and he wrote The Big Short, um, he's a very good, he's one of my favorite authors. He's great. Yeah. So he wrote the blind side. And yeah. so what he does is he looks for great stories and he lives in new Orleans. And so he sees this story of this, uh, black man whose parents are white and are, it was always framed up as he was adopted by a white family. Like, and so Michael Lewis sees the story and now he's a college standout. So Michael Lewis gets wind of this story, just living in the South because football is everything down there. And so he starts investigating. He's like, this would make a great book. So he writes the book, the blind side, the two he's claimed that he came to them and optioned their story. So what that means is he's going to pay them a fee to have the rights 
to market and, and, and sell his story. They say they were paid $14,000. Wait, I'm confused. Are you talking about? Uh, Michael Lewis goes to them to write their story. Okay, so you're not you're you're the Tui story with with Orr. Okay, got it. And so he's like, I'm going to turn this into a book and try to option it into a movie. Got it. I want to option your rights. Yep. And so what Michael Orr is saying is that because he signed this conservatorship, that the family members, the the white mom and dad, had the right to option his story, to sell his story, whether or not he agreed to it uh, or not. And so they claim, the Tui family says, we only got paid $14,000 for the rights to our story because you never know if it's going to be a hit or not. In, in, in the rearview mirror, it was a hit. But at the time, it's just like, hey, we're just you know, a regular family with some kids and this guy that we're trying to help through high school and make it to college. 14 grand is like, cool, we can buy it, pay off our car, whatever it is. But the movie made $300 million. So and, then what the Sandra, book, be- Sandra, Sandra right, the book becomes a, a hit, yeah. gets optioned in the movie. The movie is a hit. She gets to the Academy Award. Michael believes that they signed a contract to get two and a half percent of the box office plus 225 per two there's four of them right so he is claiming and, and he may be right 000. we don't know we don't know what that contract is yet so that's what his lawsuit is saying that that you made all this money off of my story and that uh i want a fair share of that and we've talked about this before um and and sometimes we we have to in my opinion gird ourselves of this thing that story and i love michael lewis but michael lewis cast the mother as the hero of this story correct yes and sandra bullock played the movie as as the hero of this story correct nowhere they they made him look like a dumbass in the movie yeah he looked like a big a big black dumbass dumbass without with and I, that's the way they portrayed him, right? That the white son and the, and had the, to show him how to play football the, using yeah. the salt and pepper shakers and the and all white this stuff. And, the, and the and the white family came in and saved. The so day. there's all these sort of tropes yeah. of like, oh, you're the big strong African American kid, and let me we're the white savior. It's white the white savior, savior yeah. story. We're gonna have these white people swoop in, rescue this this uh, unfortunate African-American kid usher him to success. And the hero of the story is the Sandra Bullock character. Here's Mrs. Tui. Right. And so Michael Orr, even at the time when he was getting drafted, they would ask him about the movie and he's like, I've never seen the movie because in his mind, he's the hero of the story. That's right. He's the one that put in the work. He wanted nothing to do with the movie. He's the one that was in the weight room. He's the one that learned how to pass block. He's the one that was in practice every day. And yes, this family gave him some stability, but they didn't run those (laughs) sprints for him. They didn't push those weights for him. And so the movie at the time fed into the Hollywood narrative of the white hero saving the day. And um, so in that sense, if what he claims is true, I'm on team Michael on this. I think if that is true, that this family, and even if they inadvertently did it. Well, you know, they, and, and, and just to jump in real quick, they, they, and those are all great points. They're saying they only made 14,000. His representative is saying they made 225000 per Tui, so there's four of them, and that they got the 2.5%. The Tuis are saying they never profited, but then they're saying that they shared the profits with him equally. So you either, and, and they, they say they got a small percentage of the movie. So if you got a small percentage of $300 million, you, you, you did profit, 
And I can excuse me. I can totally believe. I can totally believe that when he sat down to sign those papers, that he thought he was being adopted. And what lit this thing on fire is when he started to dig into this and found out he wasn't. He was incredibly hurt. And I think that's why he's burning this bridge now. So. And there are reasons for conservatorships. Um, and especially in this case, because my, my brother had some foster kids. If you adopt someone, you lose any sort of support from the state. So if I'm a foster parent and I take in a kid, that, regardless of race, is taking a child that's a teenager that's in, in, in not in a stable situation, you get assistance from the state. So you get a, a, a stipend each month to help you because the state is going, thank you for helping stabilize a child. We're going to assist for food and clothing. And it's not enough to cover all that, but you get assistance. School pictures, football cleats. If, if I adopt you, I forfeit those rights. Yeah. So there, there is a reason that's not nefarious to say, hey, you're 15. We got you for three years. It would help us out because to have a little bit of money every month because you're a growing kid and you're going to eat a lot of food and you're going to need a lot of clothes and we got to like it. It's not free. They, they say they didn't need you. the money though because they said they made. I'm just they, saying there's a reason. They're for saying they made hundreds of million dollar of millions of dollars in the restaurant industry. So why would they take the money? And other people are saying you didn't make hundreds of millions of dollars in the restaurant industry. Uh, your dad basically ran a haunted dealership. So so if if, so, if, so if so Michael Orr is correct yeah that he was told he was adopted when he wasn't and that they uh, profited and didn't give him his fair share then i think i'm on team michael on this i also hope that we as a society and, and i've done this before as well where i presented myself as the hero of i'm going to nicaragua and i'm helping out this school i do it, I do it every day it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like look at these Poor children in this oh, South, this Central gross. American country, yeah. and here I am painting the wall. Look at me, yeah, I'm the white savior. Oh, I've done that. Me too. And yeah. and I need to just, if I'm going to Nicaragua, just go. I don't need to take 900 pictures of me painting the wall. Just go paint the wall, shut my mouth, right, and come home. And if someone asks me about it, I can tell them. But I don't need to advertise that I'm the white savior going to save the because I didn't save any kids. In and Nicaragua. it's a fine line. Like I, I had a letter that I received from the the folks in Maui when I gave a gift, and I did take that letter and I put it online. But before I did that, I asked myself, what's my motivation? Is my motivation to pat myself on the back or is my motivation to say, hey, you guys, here's another way to talk about Maui? Because what they wrote back was really cool and really beautiful and very Maui. Very, it was just, it was beautiful. It was, it had lots of aloha in it. So I just wanted to put that up there so people could read that. I made sure I didn't put my dollar amount in there. Uh, but, but yeah, I've done that. I've done that a lot as well. And, and, and I'm trying through therapy to be, to be, yeah, and I to need be to do more, it as well. Be more aware. The so, hero of the Hawaii point. story are the Hawaiians. That's They're right. not me in Washington yeah. donating on Instagram that literally took me 25 seconds Correct. to hit two buttons and confirm. Yeah. So I'm not the hero of that story. Michael Orr is the hero of that story. Yes. Uh, Michael Lewis chose to tell the story in the way he wanted to tell it, and he's a great writer, but I hope that he takes some lessons from this. And he's, he, was, he was good friends with the Tuies as well. Yeah, so it's like, so. I, I, I don't necessarily blame him because it's kind of, sometimes you don't realize you're doing it until after the fact when someone points it out and you're like, oh, and I think about this all the time where it's like, 
why don't we have movies? Uh, and I, and I haven't seen the one cause Will Smith is in it of, of slaves escaping or of like there's heroes of American history that are never told because they're not the white guy riding in on the horse. Uh, you know, we, we should reframe what the hero narrative is. And a lot of times it is the, the black kid that overcomes you know, uh, incredible circumstances to make it to the NFL. Why isn't that the story? You That's know, an incredible story. You know, all you ever have to do is listen to the base or not the baseball football hall of fame speeches. And, and you hear the richness of those stories. And a lot of times it's, it's, it's young sons and their African-American moms or their grandmas or their grannies and sometimes their fathers as well. And those are the heroes of... Yeah, it's the, not the, Mike Didka coming in and making not, you a superstar. It happened a long time before Mike Didka came along. Yeah, that's correct. Sandra Bullock, real quick, uh, in our final minute here on this, on this subject, the gentleman who played Michael Orr in the movie has stepped forward and, say, and, and said, it's ridiculous... We, we made the movie on the basis of what we thought to be true. She's getting pressure now to return that Oscar. And he's saying that, that she shouldn't have to return the Oscar. What say you? No, the Oscar is not whether or not something is true. The Oscar is who was the best actor that year in a movie. So what, people need, this is a, the first cousin of whataboutism is let me be outraged by what someone else did. Sandra Bullock was given a script. She accepted that role and acted her butt off in that role. She didn't write the movie. She didn't claim that this was 100% accurate. She was faithful to the script that was given to her, and she won an award for that movie. Anytime you see something on a movie and your gut reaction is, well, that's not true. That's not what a movie is. A movie is not a documentary. A movie is a dramatization of a story. And so she's not obligated to anything. People need to, same thing with our previous story of like, oh, well, Oprah needs to give $100 million too. It's real easy to start playing around with other people's money and other people's talents and other people's, what are you doing? Right. That's what, great. What, what, what African-American kid are you helping out? Thank you. You know, like yes. who, Sandra Bullock is an actor. So yeah. let her, you know, quit making your demands on someone else's money or time or achievement. That's good, man. We'll see you on the other side. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks. You hear him on the show from Mitch.loans. And Mitch, you guys have a cool program out right now because interest rates are higher than they've been for quite a while, but you have a solution possibly for buyers. We do. Rates are high, but they're expected to go down. And that's why we came up with this program. It's the Rate Replace Program. So you can buy at current rates. And then when rates drop within the next year or so, you actually get to replace that rate and the fees are on us. So you can refinance that loan into a new loan and we will cover the lender fees for you. So that's the rate and replace program. Replace that rate. Very cool. So that's a, a really a good incentive for buyers. Uh, you can buy now with the security of knowing that Mitch at Mitch.loans will replace that rate. Check him out right now online at Mitch.loans. That's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. And again, before uh, we get out of here, nationwide shortage of teachers right now. 
Uh, so you're going to say nationwide shortage of great realtors like Ron and Don. <laughs> Give me an email, ron at ronanddon.com. There you go. If you need us, ron and Don, sitdown.com. Uh, I think it's really interesting what Peyton Manning has decided to do. I don't know if there's a nationwide shortage of college professors, but he was a Tennessee volunteer, and he decided to go back and, and be a volunteer, I guess. I want to see the fine print on this deal, because I don't think he's showing up to every single lecture in the communication college. He got a degree in media uh, and communications from the University of Tennessee, which is a really beautiful campus in Nashville. I've driven by is it, it many times. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, there cool. are or- the orange and white, the T logo, uh, which is weird because neither of my nieces wanted to go there because they're from Nashville. Yeah. They're like, we can't go to Tennessee. It's like, what's wrong with Tennessee? It's a great school. Anyway. Do they uh, do... do I, UT, you can't go. They didn't it, want to go. It, Rocky is, top. it is incredible when that whole stadium puts on orange oh, and they man. all... I'll start singing Rocky Top. It's great. So he got his degree. One of the first songs on there on guitar, by the uh, way. Communication. And now he's saying he's going to go back and, and teach um, at the college because of all the, the things he says he learns what he, he uses what he learned there every single day. So if he is legit attending each class for a semester, then my opinion of him will rock it up. If he has recorded a couple videos or is going to do a Zoom call or come once or twice yeah. um, uh, and give his, be a guest speaker, basically, that's still good. And I'm glad he's giving back to the college, but that does not a professor make. So I didn't see the fine print on this. Uh, there have been people that have done the whole thing. And I mean, I, I've been a guest speaker. You've been a guest speaker at a college course. I wouldn't say that I'm a professor. It's like we spoke one time. And so if, if he's speaking one time, kind of nice work. If he's actually becoming a professor, developing some curriculum, attending all the lectures, drafting the exams, you know, being a real professor yeah. and has an office hours and all that stuff, then that's a different story. What about this, though? We're going to have to – and those are all great points, Ron. Something we're going to have to figure out. And, and, and I see this in, in my child going to school. When, when kids show up in elementary school, parents come out of the woodwork to volunteer because they want to see, you know, the first birthday and the, the first field day. And, I bought uh, a great lunchbox. The first cakewalk. And like, like parents are really involved. As soon as kids get weird and, you know, they start having hair grow out of everywhere and their voices change and they're not cute anymore. Now they got braces and. Uh, Dad, leave me alone. Yeah, as soon as they hit puberty, I mean, the parents just kind of disappear on that. This has happened all over the country where teachers now through the pandemic and I saw like I if, if if you're a parent and you watch what teachers had to do during the pandemic just to keep kids online. Uh, it throttled a lot of them. And I it, think let me know if you think this would work. Hang on. Let me and it messed with their mental health. And as a result. Some tried to go back. Some could not. Many teachers now walking away, just like we see mental health professionals walking away. It's one of the hardest things I have with casework, like with big brothers, big sisters. Those caseworkers on average with big brothers only last about nine months. So by the time you get to know all the kids and you start working with the kids and the bigs, uh, it, it turns out. I remember being a, a, a big brother, and I think we went through like 19 different caseworkers that were assigned uh, to us. And I know that, that you went through the same thing. So so I'm wondering, like, like for me, I don't have a college degree. And the reason I don't have a college degree, because in the middle of getting my college degree, 
I got a job offer in market number four in San Francisco to do morning drive. And the thing you were getting your degree in. And the thing that I was getting my degree in. So at some point, when it when it makes sense, I I, I may go back. And in fact, I've thought about, about the time that my son goes back. Maybe I'll jump online, go back and finish that. But but it's like my my professor at the time told me, and I went and talked to her, and she she was a vice president at, at Pepsi Cola for a long long time in marketing, and I, and I said Cindy, what should I do? And she said Don, if I could do, and we were already on KJR. She said if I could do what you are doing, and I could land that job, I would go do that. Don't don't take another year here to finish your degree. As a result of that. I would love to go back in a, in a college or a high school, even a junior high setting, and share what I know about broadcasting, to share what I know about philanthropy, to share what I know about cause radio, to share what I know about media, about communication. There, there's a lot in me that I would love to share, but at the same time, I don't, I don't have I, – I, to, to go get your teaching certificate, you have to jump through so many damn hoops – and a lot of times we don't end up with the best and brightest as a result of that. So I really think that we, well, we, 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 say. we need to tap into because the Dons and the Rons and I would everybody do the same else thing. there in the Ron and Don Nation that, that, that would say, hey, I'll, I'll take two or three years well, or whatever the, it is. And I, for me, I would even volunteer my time to teach kids. And, 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 and we are going to have to do that in this country. Well, we well the only way it's going to happen, that's what I was going to say a little bit, uh, a little bit ago, is we are in the standardized testing business in American education. We are not in the learning business. If anyone thinks we're in the learning business, they don't know what they're talking about. We are in the pass as many kids the standardized test as we can. Yeah. That's what we care about. That's right. what we measure for. That's what the teacher bonuses and retention are all about. Right. Can you shepherd these kids and get them to pass the test? It's not about learning. If, if, if either of us, if they came to me or you and said, hey, we want you to do a one-month uh, mini session you know, three days a week at this school where kids get to choose whether it's communication or I could teach whatever you're teaching, yep. investing, real estate, whatever it is. I, I would, I would and, teach and fitness. You teach fitness, yeah. whatever you're going to do. Yeah. And then uh, you're going to come three times a week for one month and the kids get to decide. If nobody signs up for your class, you're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if people do sign up for it, you're going to teach them. Um, but that doesn't get you closer to a standardized test. The no. kids would learn something. Right. The kids might <laughs> uncover their life's work or their passion yeah. Uh, the kids' lives would be improved, but they're not going to do better on the standardized test. And so until we change that model and until we look at these kids and go, uh, that is not what we're, we're aiming for, it's not going to change. Malcolm Gladwell had this, some great stuff on this where he's like, when the United States education system was invented, and sorry, this is a bit of a rant for me because of the way I went through school. What were they trying to do? And Seth Godin talks about this as well. You were trying to create factory workers. Yep. So what were you, it was a mini training module to become a cog in the machine. So what did you do? Sit in your chair. Don't fidget. Listen to instructions. Don't get in trouble. Comply. Comply, comply, comply. Do what you're told. Then when you're old enough, we're going to put you in a different building and you're going to do what you're told over there. And so that was what school was in an, in an industrial age of America. That's not where we live anymore. Uh, and so if you really want to learn something and you really want to engage with the world, you you don't have to be a cog. You can be whatever you want to be. And it, it, 
it drives me crazy because I was that kid that I was good at school, but I didn't learn anything. I felt like there, there were times where I was correct and, and I was a bit of a hubris a-hole as a kid, but I would correct teachers and be like, no, you're wrong on that. It's like, here, I'll show you. And, and I would, you know, I would be combative because it's like, really, this is what we're, you're trying to teach me. Like who doesn't know this already? Uh, and except in, in Spanish, you, except there, in Spanish. Was, there was no setting. Miss Hustas. Oh, Miss Hustas was great. Yeah. Um, but my point is why can't you take a kid like your son? And yep. go, this is a curious kid. He's into music. He's into this. And go, hey, do you know that music production is a career? Yeah. Um, working in television and in, in, uh, movie industry. He loves movies. Hey, do you know that there's people that make soundtracks and make sound effects and do all these things, work with computers, work with technology, uh, and just show him that he would, if you gave him three months of like, we're going to make a special effects movie, he would learn more in those three months than probably three years of standard yeah, school. Yeah, just, just, it's a great point. What what I try to do with him every summer is say, hey, we're, we're because the kids don't go to all these camps now. And I'm like, let's try to actually go learn something and, and, and see if you can learn one or two skills this summer. So while we'll sign up for camps, like he's going to a camp next week that is just an overnight camp for kids. It's going to be a lot of fun. They're out on the water. They're just they're It's the end of summer. They're having a blast. But like this, he can weld now. It's <laughs> awesome. He can he he knows how to work with 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 a forge, and I don't I don't mean forgery. Uh, he I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff uh, that he's built in shop class down at Pratt. But it's amazing. He can blow glass. He he he's been blowing glass and selling the things that he's been blowing to his to, That's great. to his family members. He can sail a boat by himself on Lake Washington. He learned to do that last summer. He can dive in the ocean. He he went into the ocean at age eleven with the whole battle rattle on. And and in fact, we're all going to go diving uh, next spring, and we're going to do that together. And and so. But it, but it's a different approach. It's a hands-on approach when it comes to learning, and it, 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 it it's a different model. Uh, and I, it's a, it's a, it's a model that excites me. I know it excites you, and I think it would excite a lot of a lot of people like us to get back involved in the education system. But to, but to show up and volunteer now, and to go sit in a class and watch these kids get tested, uh, it's. It really, it's it it it's kind of horrendous and gross. Uh, and and can you believe this? At the middle school level now, you go to I think you go to gym once a week, and then there is no recess, none, and lunch is about twenty two minutes long. So you're just sitting in class. You you sit in seven different classes in middle school, seven different classes, and it's and you just and you get in there. trouble if you're a loud mouth like right. me and you. <laughs> Instead of going, maybe this guy could be a good communicator. Yeah. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. Thanks for all the referrals for our real estate business. We love doing this podcast, but the way that we take care of ourselves and we take care of our family is by taking care of you in the real estate realm. Yeah, right? so whether you're a buyer or a seller or an investor, we got an investment property that you and I are both super excited for our clients for. <laughs> 
give us a call or you can email me, ron at ronandon.com or go to the website, ronandonsitdown.com and find out more, submit something online. We'll get yeah. going. And we had a big deal go down this week, multiple offers. It went over. It was here in Seattle. We'll be talking about that on episode 601 every Friday show. If you're new to real estate, if you're a new agent, if you've been doing this for a while, uh, we share with you some of the things that we've learned and some of the things that are working in a market right now where people feel like there's a lot of headwinds, still a lot of success for our buyers, sellers, and investors. It all starts with a sit down, run it on sitdown.com. And we can do that virtually. And don't forget if you're selling next year, we need to meet this year. Ronandonsitdown.com will meet virtually, and uh, then I'll come out and see you, okay? Hey, uh, also, don't forget to get signed up for the newsletter. And just a gentle reminder, again, let's all be Maui strong. In the coming months and years, we'll have a chance to return to that island and spend our money there and uh, take care of those people that have taken care of us when we've gone over as tourists to visit. But in the meantime, look up Brandon Turner on Instagram. He's putting together a fund. So real estate vultures don't come in and buy up that land and that property. So those properties, those rebuilt homes can stay in those families because, again, many of them didn't have insurance. And then also the governor and President Obama has said it is the Hawaii Community Fund. I've given a little bit to that fund. I just pledged my latte money. So if you pledge your latte money for the month of September, think about that. We'll put together all that latte money, and that money is going directly right now to the fire victims in Maui. All right? Mahalo, you guys. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Thanks for being part of Ohana, our Ohana. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.